do you think I could use logic and reasoning to talk you out of being a Seahawks fan and talk you into being a 49ers fan? If you're not a sports fan, that's fine. Pick anything. Do you think I could use logic and reasoning to talk you out of being a liberal and becoming a conservative? Are those two questions all that different? I've started to come to the conclusion that they're not. And maybe this isn't a new conclusion for you, but for me, it's kind of a big deal because for so long, I thought that, uh, that, uh, you can, you can change people's minds, at least when it comes to politics, questions of public affairs, uh, with logic and facts and reason and data. And that the persuasiveness of your argument can mean you can change more minds. And I've just come to not believe that as much anymore. And I think that uh, the two questions about whether I could flip you from being a Seahawks fan to a 49ers fan, or could I flip you with logic from being a conservative to a liberal or vice versa, are really not that different at all. So here's the claims I'm going to start this with. And none of these should be taken for granted by any means. They should all be argued against and argued with. So one, you cannot change somebody's mind on an issue with logic because they didn't arrive at their position via logic. So you didn't decide to like the Seahawks via logic. You liked it probably because your parents liked the Seahawks or you grew up in Seattle or your favorite player was uh, a Seahawk. And likewise, you didn't decide to become a conservative because you thought through all the options logically and decide, I'm going to be a conservative. Maybe your parents are conservative and you win with that. Maybe your parents are conservative or liberal and you win against that. Maybe you just have personality traits that lend you more towards conservative worldviews or vice versa. Um, Because personality can be really deeply correlated with political views. And so I don't think you arrived at the positions you have about the world, the beliefs you have about the world via logic. So argumentation and logic can't get you away from those positions, but that's not how you got there. Claim number two, when you do attempt to change someone's mind, you usually will make them actually more entrenched in their beliefs. And I think we've all experienced this on a, on, uh, on a personal level. When someone try, is it, you feel like someone's trying to change your mind and prove you wrong. Those are not quite the same thing, but they're pretty close. That change the mind, change your mind and prove you and or prove you wrong. Usually we start, getting more and more entrenched in our beliefs, don't we? I certainly get that a lot. I start defending to the death these ideas that 10 minutes ago I didn't have care two wits about. But once I said it and once they started attacking it, then all of a sudden their their very act of trying to get me to change my mind is making me identify with the idea. And, oh, I'm, I'm sticking with that for a long time now. Um. And obviously there are some ideas and beliefs about we have about the world, nature, reality, politics that are very deeply ingrained with our identity and they have been for years. And, you know, kind of make, of course it makes sense that we're not going to change those via argument, argumentation, but even really flighty things, I think, again, it's the very act of trying to change the mind that the other person's mind will lock up. And this is not every time, every person, but I think most times and most people, um, the act of trying to change minds will lock them in place instead of Uh, giving them the flexibility to change. Uh, Claim number three, it's almost as difficult to change our own mind via logic as it is to change someone else's, i.e. almost impossible. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to think of the times I've changed my mind on something in relationship to being presented with more, you know, more data, more facts, logic. I think it's all, it's very, very difficult. Again, we're running up against the same problem. I didn't arrive at my positions via logic. I arrived at them via emotion or via personality or via my, the, the, the pressures and influences of my community and my peer group. Um, yeah. Okay. So then the final claim, a logic and facts, logic, facts, and data are for most of us, most of the time, a veneer on our beliefs, not a foundation. So they're the paint job that we put on our belief structure. They are not the foundation. They are not the pillars going into the earth. They're not the rebar that's holding the thing up. Um, we like to pretend they are. We like to kind of display them as, oh, look at, I, I'm a conservative because X, Y, and Z, or I'm a liberal because X, Y, and Z. I think we should have high taxes because it's better for economic functioning or this, that, and the other. When we did not arrive at those positions that way. So they're not the foundation. They are the veneer, the, the way we display our beliefs to the world, the way, the way we justify our beliefs to the world, not the foundation. Okay, so take all those claims for granted. Um, so let's look at some of the possible ways we could orient a conversation, orient ourselves to a conversation with somebody we disagree with. So here's a hierarchy. We're going to start with the worst case scenario to the best. The worst case scenario, I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm going to fight you. Yeah, we've seen this, you know, take place. This is basically what war is, right? Um, in some instances, some instances are maybe not so much about ideas, more just about power. But uh, anyway, yeah, so I'm not, I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm going to punch you in the face about it. Okay, so the second second least bad one is uh, I'm right, you're wrong, but I'm not going to talk to you. It's not worth it. I'm just going to ignore you. I mean, you're just so wrong. You're you're so irrational, delusional, whatever, immoral that it's not worth my time to talk to you. Okay, so we got a little bit better there. The third one would be I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm going to try to embarrass you in this conversation. So I'm going to show all the the dumb shit you don't know about, all the ways you're being hypocritical. I'm just going to expose, 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 and you're going to come out looking like a fool because. You're just wrong. <clears throat> okay. So the slightly better. Uh, maybe we're a little more grounded in reality, but not great still. How about I'm, re- I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm going to try to change your mind. And this is the one that we all kind of like um, societally, uh, we laud this impulse. Like there's that, that kind of like lawyerly thing. Like I'm going to, using my presentation of facts and data, I'm going to try to actually change your mind. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen that meme of, uh, it's actually a conservative kind of shock jock uh, who goes to college college campuses and he would hold up a sign and say like, abortion is a is a sin, change my mind. And that would be the sign or some other conservative standing point. And they'd be like, change my mind. And that actually became a meme and people would write all sorts of other stuff on his sign, which is funny. But, but you know, you look at that, you're like, okay, that guy's doing, he, he's opening himself to being, having his mind changed. So that would be the next step would be, I'm right, you're wrong. And I dare you to try to change your mind. So that's the stance he's taking, right? And that looks you know, it looks pretty laudable. He's opening himself to being proven wrong. But I would argue based on the stuff before, he's not actually not opening himself up to being his mind being changed. Um, and he's probably still in that mode of trying to embarrass the other person because he's talking to, you know, 21 year old kids and, and he's going to, he knows all the facts on a given topic or whatever, and he's going to try to embarrass them. I don't really know his motivation, but that's my guess. Okay. So then we're moving to the next one. And which I, next to, to the last, what I think is really where we want to land in terms of conversations with people we disagree with. So I'm probably wrong. 
as are you. Uh, moreover, we both arrived at our positions through some odd amalgam of social and family influences, life experiences, and personality pr- predilections. So I'm doubtful a conversation using logic will do much. But importantly, I have a much harder time seeing the ways I'm probably wrong than I do seeing the ways you're probably wrong. So I'm going to use this as an opportunity to learn. So that's, that's a mouthful. <laughs> what does that mean? It means uh, I've given up completely on the idea that um, – I'm going to change the other person's mind. I'm, I've given up certainly on the ideas of trying to embarrass them or fight them or ignore them. Um, and I've kind of reframed my whole goal of the situation. And it's like, uh, it's, you could say it's a pessimistic reframing in that I've given up on the idea that I can change their mind or my mind can be changed. But I do think that when you acknowledge the emotional, the subterranean components of our belief structures, that it's really important to, <laughs> to not just go out and head on and try to, to fight. And we have to have a more tangential approach to them. And so that approach is going to be an opportunity to learn um, and an opportunity to see our own blind spots because um, it is worth having confrontational conversations with people we disagree with. And one of the best reasons is because we don't see all the, the shit we don't know. We don't know all the facts we don't know. We don't see all the ways we're being hypocritical ourselves because we're just not attuned to seeing that. Like our brain is so good at seeing all the ways other people are misguided or illogical or hypocritical. Um, and just not very good at seeing those things in ourselves. So what do we make of all this? Um, I think basically it's time to entertain a, a contrarian approach to conversation. Um, give up on changing people's minds, give up on changing your own mind. So we're going to take a radical departure from the norm. Um, and like I said, when you're going to reorient our goals, instead of winning an argument, I suggest we aim for one thing and one thing only just try to learn something. Maybe sub, uh, secondarily try to have fun. But really at the top of the thing, we're going to top of the charts, we're going to put learn something as the goal of the conversation, not changing minds. So to do that, uh, we have to do a few things. One, we're going to try to seek to elucidate the strongest possible version of our uh, partner's argument as opposed to the weakest. We do, you know, so maybe I'm sure most of you have heard of this idea of straw man versus steel man. Straw manning is taking the weakest form of their argument, the one that's most ludicrous. It's like, oh, you want uh, universal uh, universal healthcare? Well, then you want uh, the government to decide who lives and dies and rations out care and um, the death panels. So it's taking a, a ludicrous version of the argument. Um, and the other version would be a steel manning. Say, oh, okay, so you want universal healthcare. And so maybe what you're trying to say is, is that there are certain gaps in capitalist uh, health system that are best served by an overarching structure that makes sure that everyone has a baseline amount of care am i am i am i, am I saying saying that right so you can see the, the really large difference there between straw manning and steel manning um, and again we're not going to dwell on the hypocrisies and illogical holes of their claims because they're full of them you know we're not if you're talking peer-to-peer we are not professional argumentators argumentators that's not a word we're not professional philosophers and even professional philosophers have lots of hypocrisies and illogical holes in their in their claims and in their arguments and we're just not going to dwell on them because we're not trying to change their mind and we're not trying to embarrass them and we're not trying to uh you know uh we're not trying to win um and so what we're trying to do is hunt those down in our own ideas like oh we're laser focused we're gonna turn the mirror back on ourselves where am i being hypocritical uh, how can I make their argument the weakest, and so it can expose those we- those those all that 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 fluff in our arguments? Okay, so that's the first idea. Um, and okay, two, uh, we're gonna make the burden of proof higher for ourselves than for others. Um, and usually we do the exact opposite of this. We assume that we're right, 
and uh, we assume that they're wrong. So the burden of proof is on them to, to, to flip that flip that switch, and we make that very hard. Like, I guess it's almost impossible to imagine what it would take for me to prove that. Oh wow, actually, I wasn't. I was wrong, and you were right. And obviously, there's a lot of emotional stuff that goes into that. But again, even just thinking legalistically, the burden of proof we're going to flip it. We're going to put it higher on ourselves. So I'm going to assume I'm wrong, and you're right until I can come up with a lot of evidence uh, to think otherwise. This is very, obviously it's kind of counterintuitive because most of us don't think this way and I don't think this way, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to elucidate a, a possible, another vision of conversation. Okay. The burden of proof is higher for my, for my own claims than for the other people's claims. Um, three, be willing to flip flop, backtrack and doubt, backtrack, backtrack and to doubt, doubt myself. Um, as I'm saying something. So, you know, I'm trying to do that in this podcast too. I'm trying to be willing to say something and then say, Oh, that didn't feel quite right. Pull that back. Or that wording wasn't quite right. Or I said that too strongly or too weakly. Um, in our society, we, we, we kind of valorize people who have their convictions and you stand with their convictions. And again, I'm trying to flip that on its head. I think it's, there are certain, certainly moral truths that I think are worth holding strong to. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel strongly about that. But in terms of claims about the world, claims about the nature, reality, and the best way to organize society and whatnot, um, I, I don't think we should be convicted. I think we should be really, really loose. I mean, we can have strong opinions, and then we see, oh, I wasn't, I didn't have the really the foundation to have that strong opinion. Let, let that go. So flip flopping, backtracking, you know, stepping back, stopping, all that kind of stuff. We're going to do a lot of that because again, we're not trying to win the argument. We're not trying to change minds. We're not trying to uh, embarrass any of that kind of stuff. And then finally, we're going to accept confusion as a totally valid and useful ending point of a conversation. Um, partly because we're, we're two very ignorant little apes talking to each other, right? Um, and also the universe doesn't makes no pretense of legibility or simplicity. It doesn't have to make sense to us. It doesn't have to be legible to us. Um, and so just those two facts that we're coming in with very limited fact sets and also the universe might be illegible. Um, so <clears throat> sometimes again, we can rest in the fact that we're none of neither of us won. We're just both a little bit more confused. Well, considering how, you know, biased and, Ill and illogical and, um, how we arrived at our positions to begin with and how weak that of a position that was confusion is probably great. That's, that's probably a totally fine ending point. And again, all those, those, those four kind of modes of being are going to be in service of that highest goal, which is learn something in that conversation, learn something. Um, okay. So to what end, right? Um, well, one, like we're going to learn something instead of just constantly deflecting attack, deflect, attack, deflect attack. The thing about deflecting and attacking if you're constantly attacking your partners, um, the weaknesses of their argument, and then deflecting against their attacks against the weaknesses of your argument, um, there's no learning happening. It's all just jousting. It's all just like mental jousting. So who cares about that? We're trying to learn. <laughs> okay, so uh, we actually might learn something. And then also, I think, and this is the where the kind of the, the the what would you call it? The martial art of it, the the zen of it the trickiness of it might come in. So our willingness to attack our own ideas might invite the other person to actually do the same. Um, so if we're harsh on our own ideas and like, Oh, trying to point, I'm trying to look for the weakness in my own thoughts and the blindnesses and the hypocrisies that might invite that your partner to do the same because in general, humans like to mirror each other. So if I come out with you aggressively trying to prove you wrong, more, more often than not, you're going to mirror me and try to prove me wrong. And 
Um, and so by displaying that kind of that inward looking, uh, I'm trying to destroy my own deeds. I, I'm trying to lift your ideas up, try displaying that, it's, you know, good chance that your partner will actually mirror that with you and together might move a little bit closer to reality. Um, and that's where you know, the counterintuitive thing is when we stop trying to change somebody's mind, it might actually then make it possible that we can change minds. And we're still left with the fundamental problem that we didn't arrive at our, our, our positions usually through logic. And so maybe, maybe we can't even then. Um, but at least we bypass this psychological, uh, tripwire of defensiveness, right? Um, it's just a thought anyway. So a few questions around us out here. Is this all just passive aggressiveness? This is all just because I'm not good at confrontation because I am not very good at confrontation. And I am a very, I've in my life, I've been a very passive aggressive person. Um, and so is it all just this, this, is this all just fancy passive aggressiveness? Like, Oh, I'm going to attack my own ideas. And actually in so doing, I'm still just trying to maintain my intellectual superiority, superiority over you. Look at you. Oh, you're trying to change minds. Like, Oh, it's a lesser, lesser stance. Um, I don't think though. I think, I think we can, I think there's, there's meat on this bone. That's not just passive aggressiveness. Uh, what, what are we supposed to do with people who have truly noxious or immoral patently false beliefs? People believe things that are wrong, like patently objectively wrong. Uh, people believe things that are evil, uh, noxious, disgusting, immoral. Um, what do you do with those, those people, those situations? I don't know. Um, I do feel confident that the current modes of conversational um, orientation are not sufficient. So, you know, fighting, ignoring, um, embarrassing, you change, I'm going to change your mind. You're going to change my mind. I don't think those are going to be useful in these situations with people who have truly uh, patently false ideas or not just beliefs. Um, Maybe this method I'm outlining is too lenient on them and it requires more active confrontation. I don't know. My, my hunch is my hunch is that, that a, there's probably nothing to be done. You know, what, most, you know, there's people who just have bad ideas and maybe they'll even act on them, but there's not, you know, there's not much to be done about that. So we have to be really humble in our, our uh, idea that we should, there's any positive outcome, but if there is one, maybe it is through this little sliver of, of, of the counterintuitive approach of not trying to change their mind and trying to actively break down your own ideas and take the best version of their idea. And it's hard to imagine what that means when talking about people who have racist beliefs or anything, but uh, yeah, anyway, something, something to continue to wrestle with. Um, another question, people do change their minds on things. I mean, you've seen people flip flop from party to party or um, on big questions of morality and, you know, be, they weren't religious. Now they are, they, they, uh, they are, they were religious and now they aren't. Um, so people do change. And so what do you make of that? It's like, is my whole theory thrown out the window because there's, there are examples of people changing even on really big things. Um, and my sense is there are probably are a small number of cases where people actually have changed their mind on even relatively big things in response to data and facts and logic. I think it's vanishingly small. I think most of the time people change their mind. It's like, I changed from being a Seahawks fan maybe to being a Bengals fan because I moved from Seattle to Cincinnati and maybe intellectually I moved from Seattle to Cincinnati in, what am I, in my political beliefs and in that the social structure, social influences around me made being a Cincinnati fan more pro-social or maybe made being conservative have higher um, social payoff for me. 
Um, so my intuition is again, that the, the thing minds weren't changed based on the logic or anything like that. It was more based on, um, either rejection of where you came from or just again, responding to the, the social re- the rewards. Yeah. Social influencing, but I could be wrong. I'm trying to be open to that. <laughs> um, Okay, so if our beliefs are not this is the big one. If our beliefs are not around that by logic, then what is the point of trying to use logic in our arguments and trying to be more closely tethered to reality in our speech? What's the point of of trying to like find good studies to back up our claims and finding data to back up our claims about the world? Why don't we just if if we can't change their mind and and I can't change my mind if that's the belief, then why why even try to be tethered to reality at all? <clears throat> I think, okay, the first thing I'll say is I think that this, the idea of being tethered to facts and data, it, you can do that in a really um, biased way. So I call it like uh, anecdotal empiricism. Like you're having your argument or some argument with your friend about guns or abortion or something. And maybe you're even on the same side, but you're, you're arguing just for fun. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to go look up a study that proves them wrong. And then, but you phrase your search on Google in a very specific way that's going to return you know, the kind of study that you're going to want to see. And then, oh, there's the first study. Oh, I'll get the first link. And you click on it. Oh, look at that. The headline thing is it justifies my 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 stance. But you didn't do a survey of all the studies of the the situation, right? You just picked that first one because it, it validated you. Um, and so I would, I would say that, again, counterintuitively, if we want to move closer to reality, we have to drop the idea of winning arguments, of changing minds, and again, hold as the highest idea, learning something. Um, so it's not that facts don't matter. It's not that data doesn't matter. It's not that science doesn't matter. It does matter. It's really important. Um, and that's how we move closer to reality. But we have to understand the psychology of, an, of a conversation and that... <clears throat> The way that we're going to learn something, the way that we're going to learn something is, uh, is trying to do all those things we talked about, lift other people's ideas up, prove everyone's ideas wrong. I'm kind of stumbling here. It's, it's a tough one. I I, I struggle with it. Like how to balance this, this intuitive sense that empiricism matters and reason matters and logic matters with what to me is, is kind of a now fundamental insight. And that's that people don't change their mind. Um, I don't know. Uh, last question is, is this all leading to a postmodern mush where there's no truth, no rational claims about the world can be made? So this is kind of like similar to the previous question and, um, short answer. No, I don't think it is. And let's just try it for a while. We'll have to see, you know, we've done this other, we've done all those other modes of, of conversational being for so long. It's just worth exploring, right? It's worth a chance. So next time you're in a conversation with somebody you disagree with, <clears throat> remind yourself, you're not going to change their mind. Remind yourself, they're not going to change your mind. Remind yourself, the goal is not to win. The goal is not to embarrass. The goal is not to belittle. The goal is to learn. And so with that as the goal, the all of a sudden, the MO, the modus operandi, it changed a little bit. And I'm going to start attacking my own ideas I'm going to lift their ideas up and make the best possible version of their ideas. I'm going to encourage them to expose the hypocrisies. Oh, yes, you you showed me a blind spot in my in my worldview. Ah, thank you. Yes, thank you. Um, and in so doing, I really do think that, that that's an invitation to the other person that actually similarly 
and it's just worth a try. Worth a try. <sighs> anyway, thanks for listening. Um, that was fun going through, and now I'm looking forward to talking to somebody about something I disagree with them about. Give this all a shot. And and to end, um, I'd just like to say a word or two about a, f- a friend of mine named Brandon who passed away recently. And, you know, we, I had that whole uh, podcast about death and it's, it's uh, my philosophical musings on it. But when somebody actually does pass away, it's, <clears throat> it is different. And I have, I guess I haven't integrated those philosophies yet into my life. But that's all besides the point. Brandon, you're a beautiful, beautiful soul. And uh, I love the, the way the universe expresses itself as you. And um, I feel grateful that the, the universe expressing itself as me got to experience uh, the universe expressing itself as you for a little while. So thank you. And thank you to the listeners um, for tuning in to another episode of Happy When Curious. And we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.